0: Welcome back to another episode of the Bootstrapped Experience podcast. And as always, Jack's here as well. How you been? Good. How about you? Not too bad. Busy. Summer's coming up and Shopify is launching all kinds of things and we've got lots of stuff going on. So
1: been a bit stressed this week. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like yesterday they kind of did Unite in a blog post. Like it was crazy. Yeah. The number of announcements and the huge changes.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. This whole Shopify editions. Every six months, they'll do one. Is the idea. So this is like the summer 2022 edition. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there, right?
1: Yeah, covered everything. Here's one thing. So I was just looking through it again before we recorded this podcast so I could remind myself. And one thing I thought was really interesting that stuck out to me, sort of skimming it, is how much was for Shopify Plus? They seem to really be pushing people towards Shopify Plus, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I guess all the B2B stuff,
0: especially, right? But I think it's also for a long time they've been taking... Shopify Plus features and moving them downwards, right? So now Flow is available to advanced, And now it's just today, it's now launched to Shopify plan as well.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't see that. That's
0: cool. Over time, they've been sort of taking the Plus features and distributing them downwards. So I guess they had to fill up on actual Plus features again. That's what I think. Yeah, it was pretty big. And then I guess today there's like a whole, the sessions and interviews and all kinds of stuff going on today. It's funny because maybe Shopify sent out lots of emails about this. (laughs) But I seem to be stuck in some weird, you know, I've subscribed many times, but I don't seem to get the emails from like the partner team. So my wife always forwards them to me, but I haven't seen anything about like reserving the 23rd to get ready to watch all these presentations and ask me anything things. And I don't know if you've received anything like that.
1: Okay. So this is funny. So, you know, I deal with translations. So... I mess with the language settings on a lot of websites. So I got, I don't know, a whole slew of emails from Shopify in German over the last like two weeks. Oh that wow. I can't read. So they may have been in there. I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. That would make sense. That's funny. Yeah. So I guess at least the Germans are communicating, right? Right. <laughs> oh, no, that's funny. But yeah, it's cool to see like just so much stuff there's also on the development front, which is obviously more interesting to me.
1: What stuck out to you are the things you're really excited about?
0: It's like the app bridge upgrades, really. So I've been wanting and needing full screen
1: mode for a very long time. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, and the way they've implemented it is quite nice. How to see they're not restricting how the full screen mode looks. Like there's a top bar and everything, but you create that yourself. So they provide you a component in Polaris if you want to use that component, but otherwise you can just build it yourself. So basically it just opens up a full empty page. So it's up to you to sort of add the back button to close the full screen mode again and everything like that. And it's how to say it's not using an additional iframe or something like that. So you just basically navigate to a page which says open me as full screen and then it takes over the full screen. So you don't sort of open the full screen and then navigate the content within that. You do it opposite.
1: So does that kind of solve a lot of the auth cookie issues we've always had?
0: That's kind of different. You still have all the auth cookie stuff and you've got to run an SPA basically or a single page application inside the embedded app so that the navigation works and everything else and you don't lose this session token. But before, if you open a modal, for example, you've got to give it a URL to load inside that modal. Right. So then you've got no communication between the main page and the modal page, right? Or at least you've got to pass like post messages between. But for the way that this works, it actually opens a new page and then just displays it in full screen. Oh, I see. You're not trying to manage state between two pages at the same time, which simplifies things really nicely. So I was actually able to add it to one of the editor's for one of my apps yesterday, and it took me like an hour. And that oh, that's was in screen mode. Yeah. Then the other thing that I was really looking forward to was having like a proper navigation. So you have a menu now. Before they used to have like tabs at the top of the page where you could navigate. They've removed those and then moved them to an actual navigation in the bottom left of the Shopify admin menu.
1: Yeah, that is really cool because I remember you, like you could lose so much vertical space by the time you added all the navigation stuff at the top. So that's really nice. Yeah. Exactly. Does that happen? By default now, if you upgrade your app bridge and you're using like those title bar components or whatever? Yeah, or if you're using
0: title bar, you add these actually as app extensions in the partner admin. That's how you used to add them, right? So you'd add like little menu things there and then they just show up. So strangely, they weren't part of the app bridge, which it is now, right? But they've put a compatibility there. So even if you have the old tab navigation set up, then they've automatically converted that to the left-hand menu now. So you gain that extra space.
1: It's so funny. Like, I've been out of the app store for a little over a year now. I feel like this newest release is like, now I'm fully behind. Like, I don't understand how Shopify development works anymore. I'm like trying to follow (laughs) along with some (laughs) of it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think that's maybe why I've been a bit stressed because it feels like tougher and tougher to keep up with all the changes, right?
1: Yeah. No, I remember that. Like, just those sort of mandatory API upgrades, breaking changes came pretty fast sometimes. And
0: uh... yeah, and here there's like hundreds of them, right? Or 100 plus. And then you got to try and sift through them all to work out, okay, what's relevant to me. The full-screen one I was super happy with, and that was something I could basically implement right away. And I looked to implement that in my other app, Ordly Emails, as well, which currently escapes from the Shopify admin for the editor experience and then jumps back in at the end. So I'd be able to make that process faster as well. And then Kirill, who is a great follower on Twitter as well, he does a lot of Rails development. And he worked out another thing that's been bugging me. So I've been able to upgrade the apps this morning, where before, if you click on one of the tabs or the menu on the left it would basically sort of restart the spa for that page first you'd see the splash page like this little loading thing and then the page would appear whereas if you just navigate the app it goes really fast right because you're just replacing the current page but it came up with a way to intercept the redirect that shopify calls and to make our internal app do the long story short it just removes the whole loading screen every time you click a menu link it's awesome yeah which sped everything up really nicely So it starts to feel more like an actual SPA again. (laughs) As long as you click buttons within the app, it was fast. But as soon as you used one of those tabs, it would sort of reload the entire sort of application. What else was I excited about? App design guidelines.
1: Yes, those are really cool. Yeah,
0: and I actually had a quick read through most of it yesterday, just sort of skimming it. And there's nothing there that sort of jumps out and makes you scared, right? They are pretty opinionated. But I think the ones where they say it's mandatory, I don't know about the wording of this. Like they have Shopify app store requirements, things you have to follow to be allowed into the app store. You've got mandatory requirements to sort of pass their design review process. Then you have some caution ones, which is like, "Eh, this is maybe okay, but it's not a great idea. And then you have unacceptable stuff. But just the wording of like mandatory, unacceptable, it feels like you're being dictated to a little bit, right? And fair enough, if these are the apps that they want to promote, then you have got to adhere to these. But I just feel like apps are going to be more and more generic as time goes on, right?
1: I feel like in a way, though, it's a good thing because I remember back in 2017 or whatever when I launched, trying to figure out like, okay, well, I need to work with these guys. I want them to promote my app. They're kind of my marketing avenue. How do I make them happy? And not really knowing. So sort of having to like look at like the apps they were promoting and not it's nice to have sort of one place to go like, okay, this is what they want to see. Yeah, that's true. I think what they
0: doing as well is highlighting things that are not acceptable, right? So there's like maybe dark patterns or whatever that people have been sort of getting away with. Whereas now they can point to it and say, no, this is not actually allowed, right? So that hasn't been written down. So both showing us the good and the bad, and then having an actual reference that everybody can sort of agree on, or at least Shopify agrees on that that's the right way. Right. I think that's cool. I always love when talented people share the thinking and the design and the design guidelines explain why and give examples of each thing and stuff. So it's a great learning resource just for UI and UX design generally,
1: right? For sure. I remember just when Polaris was released, really enjoying like their tone sections and things like that. I feel like that improved my in-app messaging quite a bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just aligning like the wording and Shopify uses these words. Well, why don't you use the same words, right? And it's a quick win, right? It takes like an afternoon to sit there and rename things. For sure, yeah. Unless, of course, you go into translations, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so embedded app stuff, that was pretty amazing. And they're also showing some new things in the app store, like speed testing. I saw that. That's cool. I'm interested to know how they're calculating that because on two of my apps, they show no impact to your speed. And that makes sense. And on two of my other apps, they show low impact. And I'm just wondering how, because none of them actually touch the front end of the store.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I like that because I used to get a lot of support emails going like, I feel like this is impacting the front end. And I knew it wasn't, but like, it's tough to like sort of show that. And now you have like, well, this is what Shopify says. So if you trust them, then you're good.
0: Exactly. And I think a lot of other agencies and devs, like store developers, they would often say, oh, it's your apps. You just need to uninstall apps, right?
1: Yeah. To be fair, a lot of them were pretty bad, absolutely, like and things, yeah.
0: But they just sort of made a blanket statement, right? Which meant all apps are bad. So, yeah, I agree with you. you used to get a lot of questions about that as well. And I guess before we move on to other stuff, I just received the Sassy Daily email. And if anyone's listening and don't use Sassy, you should. It's free and it's awesome. But basically, they show you all the rankings of your apps or any apps that you want to follow throughout the Shopify App Store, and they'll tell you plus and minus in the different categories that they're in and everything else. And today we have giant pluses everywhere, so like basically Shopify have changed their ranking algorithm somehow in a drastic way. And luckily, for three of mine, it's super positive. So jumping from, say, on my primary one, I was on third position, now I'm at one, I jump four position, another one, and so I'm at two on that, and two on another one that I was in sixth, so I'm three, two. So we're back in the lead basically on the most important apps.
1: That's awesome.: Yeah.
0: I'm interested to see, hopefully tomorrow's mail doesn't (laughs) do the opposite again. But it's pretty wild. It's like overall, we jumped to 113 places on one of the apps.
1: Wow! Yeah, pretty cool. So you don't think this is nothing you specifically did to change your rankings?
0: No, we didn't change anything yesterday. And the one yesterday was pretty standard, like no change or one up or down or something like that. But this one now, pretty cool, knowing that, my most popular app is 43rd out of 7,316 apps.
1: That is crazy. That's pretty good, right? Really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) And then the other one's 54th and the other one's 64th. That's awesome. And then I've got one that's like 1,969 out of (laughs) 7,000.
1: You know, this is funny. Okay, so this is a random thing, and I guess it's because they're high up, but I remember when they introduced the recommendations for other apps at the bottom of the app page, and we were like, that's weird, I don't love that. And they said, well, they seem to be just sort of recommending popular apps in general. It was really funny because I was just I was surfing around the app store today looking at the new changes and I saw orderly emails at the bottom of nearly every app page. Is that right? Probably because it jumped up in the rankings. Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: It is. It's also been getting a lot of reviews lately, which is really nice to see. So maybe, yeah,
1: it's done well. I will say the one thing I was hoping about when I heard there was like big changes coming and I had no idea if this was new features or what, the one thing I was kind of crossed my fingers for that didn't happen I guess it probably won't, was getting rid of app ads. Oh, right. <laughs> God, that would make me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so too. It was all much a
0: happier place before the app ads, right? You were basically competing on a level playing field.
1: Yeah, I could be totally wrong about this too, but I can't imagine they're making enough money from that to like make it worth running a whole ad network. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know.
0: I think you'd be surprised how much some people are spending.
1: Maybe, yeah. What do we spend? It's not a lot.
0: It's like two, three thousand a month. I've just jacked that up a little bit, so it's probably closer to three now. And I think you know, looking at what some people spend per keyword, I've seen twenty, thirty dollars of yeah, things exactly. floated around. Yeah, yeah, I saw one per seventy-five plus, right? Wow, crazy. Yeah, my apps can't really compete in those price ranges, but
1: fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I think
0: they remove the twenty percent on your first million, right? Every year, I just look at that as free money to use. Like if I give a little bit of that back true on, yeah on shop store ads i think the thing that annoys me is that you type something and and a low relevant app shows up instead just maybe they maybe it's, there's not a lot of bidding on that or they snuck through somehow right yeah sure but yeah so that's a lot about shopify what have you been up to and what are you working on
1: yeah so really concentrating on marketing and seo lately. So if you recall, we talked, I don't know, a couple episodes before that I wrote a couple tutorials and we'll see how they do. Well, it turned out I totally messed up the linking, whatever, and Google wasn't indexing them. And this is actually, it was really cool. I fixed the linking thing and resubmitted them to Google. And literally 10 minutes later was seeing traffic to those articles. Wow. Yeah. And it's not a lot. I mean, I think I'm getting maybe 20 visitors a day you know, across like three articles or whatever. But like, that's super encouraging to me. I'm showing up in like the bottom of the first page for some of the search terms I wanted to.
0: Which is kind of where you need to scroll to
1: now to actually get (laughs) a result for what you've typed, right? (laughs) So kind of what I'm working on right now is doing lead magnets for those because they're pretty quick and dirty articles. Now I'm actually making them good. I'm going to kind of think of them as like a resource. So kind of what I want to do is build... Demo apps, like basically a fully translated demo Shopify React app, for example, and then throw in your email address. I'll add you as a collaborator to the GitHub repo, and then you're on my mailing list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that'll be useful. I'm not seeing signups in the articles yet, but that doesn't surprise me. Like, there's no really any call to actions on them or anything. I just kind of wanted to like see if I could start ranking somewhere for them.
0: Yeah. That's pretty cool, though, Like to see it happen that quickly after you've submitted them for indexing, right? Was there a reason that they weren't being indexed beforehand, or was there something
1: just yeah. like snafu? So the website's translated into five different languages, but I haven't translated the blog posts yet. So basically I had five different URLs pointing at the same right. content. So, Google saw that as like sort of spammy or duplicate or something. I'm not totally sure. Like, you could see, like, if you wanted to like the tools, it said, like, we crawled this, we decided not to index this. Right. Is that what the whole canonical thing is all about? I think so. I'm not totally sure. All I did for now, the quick fix was I just literally 404 those. So, now if you're on the site, like in French or whatever, like those links just don't appear on that version of the site. I'll get that sorted later. Um, once I did that and resubmit it, they were indexed instantly.
0: Yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah, so they don't like duplicate links to the same page that are saying, hey, this is the right place to get it.
1: Yeah, and I guess canonical,
0: that probably is something like that.
1: Yeah, I've never understood the whole canonical
0: thing. Like, I've read multiple times different. And it's like, well, which one do you mark as canonical? The original one or all of the duplicates?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: It's a word I just don't understand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. And so I use Statamic, I'm not sure how you say that, but for the blog, and... The way that works for multilingual sites is that it actually like creates a different page for each language. So I think that was the other thing, is I think like they kind of had different metadata but the same content, which I'm sure that's probably what triggered it.
0: Yeah, I guess yeah, it's auto-generating those links and stuff, right? That makes sense.
1: But yeah, the Shopify app listing translations out, I've sort of geared my marketing more towards Shopify developers, but I have not updated the homepage yet, so that's sort of next on my list. It still is generic. The other sort of big thing I did this week was increase my pricing. Ah, nice. Yeah. What did you change? The monthly plan is still the same, $79. It still includes 300 credits, but the per credit pricing went up. So credit is just a word. It was $0.17 cents if you were subscribed to the monthly plan or $0.21 cents pay as you go. It's now $0.25 cents and $0.30. Cents. Okay. So the reason for that basically was that I'm paying translators for all these. Like my margin was very low, which I was fine with while I was sort of exploring this and seeing if it was viable and that kind of thing. But you know, I had a low margin that was like semi acceptable. But as I was going through this and improving things, like a perfect example, my thing gave an incorrect quote to someone. Basically, it quoted too low because it didn't quote for one particular language. Well. I'm not going to go back and be like, "Hey, you know what? You owe me an extra, whatever, hundred dollars or whatever." So I just pay that in my pocket. And for that particular job, like, there goes my margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had like no safety net. I guess that's like, don't take this the wrong way, but like, welcome to the real
0: world, right? Yeah, no. I'm so used to software where there's like giant margins, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and all of a sudden you got people involved in actual translation services and stuff. It's a tougher game.
1: Yeah, I think I almost priced it originally as just like if the translators were free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. It wasn't ideal pricing. And I feel like it's not a ridiculous price increase. If you were just to go manually translate everything yourself, you're going to pay 15 to 20 cents a word, 10 cents if you just go for a bargain basement, hire someone on Fiverr type thing. Yeah. And I think part of that was like, my thing's worth a little extra money. You know, it's worth the 25 to 30 cents a word you get a lot extra with it. And I guess I wasn't quite valuing that the way I should have in the beginning. And I think that's just a matter too, of like getting going, getting more customers, feeling more comfortable with everything.
0: That makes sense. But I think raising prices is always scary, right? You don't know what an impact it's going to have.
1: Right. And I don't have that many customers, so it might be a little while before I find out.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I think it's better to start off with something you can actually grow into a profitable business right? than trying to build something that is not worth it, but like it'll be harder to grow if you start off with these prices and stuff and have tighter margin.
1: Yeah. Where I was, I mean, my profit was tiny and growing into a profitable business would have been really rough, I
0: think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you do want to outsource some development work and everything else, right? And paid marketing or whatever, you need money. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's funny, like I miss being in a position where I could hire doing everything myself and there's just like infinite work, not enough hours in the day. I'm trying to just limit myself though to like four hours of just mega focus work and then, you know, an hour or two of admin returning email support, that kind of stuff. And that, that seems to be going pretty well.
0: Yeah. In which order do you do that? Do you do this focused work first and then the catch up stuff or the other around?
1: I usually like check the admin stuff first thing in the morning just to make sure there's nothing urgent and then save it to the end of the day if it can.
0: Yeah, I'm always afraid that I'll run out of time, right? So I always try and get all my admin stuff, you know, entering mails and taking care of any escalations and stuff, all that stuff in the morning. But you never know how long that's going to take, right? <laughs> right. So it's hard sometimes to get focused.
1: Well, I have like a 30 minute commute now to the co working space, so I'll just answer emails like on my phone sometimes if there's anything urgent, just on my way. I mean, I try not to really do anything during that time, but you know, it's not a big deal to like take care of an emergency admin work.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I guess you got to do what works best for you. Yeah, We're also raising prices on one of our apps and we started the marketing campaign around it this week on orderly emails. I think we've talked about this before, but it's been like $49 one-time fee for a very long time since it launched, basically. And yeah, so now we're changing it to $99 for a yearly subscription. And just sort of still working out the details because before it's been like per theme. So you buy a theme and then if you want a different theme, you pay again. Whereas now I'm considering doing it like $99 $99 for a yearly subscription, and then you can change your theme to one of the other themes if you want. So you can sort of replace it with a different design or whatever. So anyway, looking into that. But so far, there's been no pushback and everyone, at least when we let all the partners know about it, they all could see, yeah, that makes sense. Of course, it's like, well, how do we manage this sometimes? Or how do we move a theme from one account to another? Which was really easy before when it was like either paid or not paid, right? Whereas now the subscription sort of hangs on the shop but not on the theme or the purchase hangs on the shop and not per theme sort of thing. So there's always complexity moving to recurring. Luckily, we can always replace subscriptions within the same account if we need to, and that sort of Shopify already takes care of prorating and stuff.
1: Oh, that's nice, yeah. Yeah,
0: but this is only changes for like new themes going forward. So all the people that have already purchased one, they just keep it and continue on like nothing ever changed. But for new themes going forward, it's going to be a different price. So it would be interesting to see how it changes like their app store Installs and conversions and things, but at the end of the day, if we sell half as many, we're still making
1: just as much. Right. I guess just with the price increase, you'll probably see a little decrease, but I feel like going from one-time to recurring is going to have like negligible impact. I don't know if you saw we're in a chat group together. I don't know if you saw the feedback someone put in there. It's just I can't believe you didn't do this earlier. All right. I haven't actually scrolled through the latest ones yeah. because
0: yesterday was just crazy. But yeah, that was a good group actually, and I think that's sort of what gave me the motivation or the courage to make that change, right? Because so many people were just like, This is silly not to. You should have done this a long time ago, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I had that kind of too, like I was worried about changing my prices and all that. I mean, when my Shopify app launched it was nine dollars a month, which was ridiculous. I was like, well, nine dollars is decent and I'm taking home six of that or whatever after Shopify. Yeah, I don't know. I just got over it. Like the first time I did it, I just I raised it to like what I thought was a ridiculous amount and it's still way lower than it is today. And had Literally zero impact.
0: Yeah, I think it's first when you start getting up into like 50 to 100, then people might think about it, right? If it's monthly. Yeah. Or at least depends on the type of store. But for orderly emails especially, like you're getting a lot of stores that are just opening, using it as well, which is maybe harder to convince them to put like a yearly thing.
1: I feel like in some ways it's easier. I don't know, I'm just thinking like, I get a new idea, I buy a domain name and sign up for six services and then three months later, I've not done anything with that idea and I've paid for this stuff. and I don't know, like you get that bug in your head that you want to do something.
0: Yeah, that's true. I'm just wondering, like you're paying $99 and you get one year of service, right? So even if you uninstall the app, you can continue to use the emails. Some parts of them won't work anymore, but generally, how to say, you're paying $99 for one year of service and you can continue to use the emails without service after that if you really wanted to, right? But if you want to come back in and get the newest updates or, or whatever, then you need to pay again after that. So we're not sort of forcing people to stay on it forever, right?
1: Yeah. I think email marketing is going to be really important there. Like, I'm just thinking, like, there's a few developer tools I use that work the same way. I mean, I think they're actually like $99 a year and they don't recur automatically. And so sometimes I'll forget about them. And then I'll be like, well, like, they don't shut off. You just don't get any updates. And then I'll get an email with, like, hey, check out this new feature. And I'm like, oh, okay. I really want to use that. And yeah, instantly, exactly. You know, I'll just go sign up again.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where we, Now with this price change, we're trying to sort of over-communicate so we're basically telling people at the moment anyway that, hey, the price is going to change and if you want to lock in the old price, then buy it now. Doing that as a cross-sell to our other apps as well and stuff. I think that's worked out pretty well but to show people the value and stuff, we need to email them more often. So before I've just done like a little app update post on our website saying, hey, we've added two new email types or whatever. So going forward, it makes sense to send out going, hey, to actually email and be more not aggressive, but communicate more because it'll also show them the value that they are getting and that things are being improved and this type of thing. And the main reason to really raise the price in the first place is so that that app becomes a larger revenue generator for us so we can focus more time on it as well. Create new themes and all that type of thing.
1: Yeah, it totally makes sense.
0: Yeah. On a one-time payment, it just got to a certain size and then that's as many people that come through the app store that we can sell X amount and that's it. And there's no rolling effect on that. So I think with a yearly subscription, it'll start to snowball a little bit more, which will make it a lot more interesting for us to focus time on instead of focusing on the apps that generate eight times more revenue or something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So anyway,
1: let's see how it goes. Otherwise things are going well for you? Yeah. Things I feel like are starting to hit a stride finally with Translate CI. Like I'm getting signups, people actually becoming customers, like it feels better. Finally increased my prices well, actually, this morning. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm feeling much more confident about it. I think that's just a matter of people actually using it and liking it.
0: And people giving feedback and stuff as well.
1: So the biggest thing like, I need to work on in the app itself is UX. Oh, I don't think we talked about this, but I did like streamline the UX like we've talked about a bunch of times. Um, Reduce that giant form to now it's like three fields. It fits on one screen.
0: Yeah, nice. I think that'll help a lot because that was pretty daunting to sort of run into, right?
1: Yeah, and I'm still seeing people get stuck there occasionally. I think the biggest red flag sort of like, I still need to do work there, whether it's like better onboarding video or something like that, is just a customer signed up. They were happy. They used the Shopify app listing stuff, went totally smooth, wanted to do the rest of their app with like the Git integration. And we're kind of like, I'm confused. Can you just set this up for me? Okay. Yeah, which hmm. happy to do. But obviously I them to just be able to get through it themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember, and this is a long time ago since I went through your onboarding, right? So it's probably a bit out of date. But am I right in that as soon as you sign up, you arrive on the new project page, right? So you start a new project straight away. And I think maybe that is where I was like, oh, I've got to finish this before I can go, okay, hey, I'm going to look at this later. And maybe something worth testing anyway is allow them to sign up and they come on the main projects page and they have to themselves click new project. Because then you sort of realize, okay, I'm finished with the sign-up process. Now I'm in the app, and I'm safe to either create the project now or later. And of course, in your case, you want them to create the project, right? But there was no, how to say, pause in the process before where I could sort of take a breath and go, okay, yes, I want to create a project. So it felt like one really long sign-up flow.
1: Yeah, so there is actually, like it just takes you to a dashboard with an empty state now. Okay. This is the other thing I'm finding, and this is like where I need to maybe invest in I don't know. I got to think about it. But what I find is like a lot of people get there and then they go, oh, you know what? I need to take a couple hours to actually put in the translation helpers and that kind of stuff in my app. I just need to get the app ready to translate.
0: And I guess that's where linking to your tutorials might be really useful, right?
1: I think so. Yeah. So, one thing when I do these demo apps, I'm going to include locale switchers because that's a question a lot of people have too is like, how do I actually let the user switch locales or whatever. So I'm going to do like a Shopify React component, like locale switcher component, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. That they can just plug in. That would be nice. Yeah, just sort of helping them get their apps ready a little bit will be useful. Yeah, and that's
0: actually where I stopped building my translation app when I got to that translation chooser switcher thing. It's <laughs> yeah. like, ah, oh, web components and all this type of stuff. And it's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> that's where I kind of went cold on it.
1: Yeah, they're not actually too bad, they're just kind of confusing to wrap your head around. I think I've had difficulty with them.
0: Yeah. I think if as long as it's just a language one, but on Shopify it's like, well, you want to choose a language, you need to hit a certain website if you choose that combination and you need to choose a currency, right? So there's a combination of currency language, yeah, And it just became complicated quite quickly. But I think most themes have it built in now. But seeing as you're translating the app interface, I think you can keep it much simpler, right? Because it's just language.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. I think so.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, so maybe just getting them through the setup process in their application faster will make it easier for you.
1: Right. But yeah, it's getting there. Like I feel like feedback is improving. People are signing up, using it, so I'm pretty happy.
0: Yeah, nice. Then we were talking about before this summer's coming up, and this will probably be our season finale episode, I guess, until after summer anyway. But it's nice to be able to sort of end on a positive note, right? You getting traction. I feel like the last couple of weeks have been better as far as like traffic in the Shopify App Store is going. It's still tough, but I think all these new ranking changes I just got an update about today is definitely going to help. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: super encouraging. Yeah, exactly.
0: So it's just nice to be able to sort of end on a super positive note. So do you have any big summer plans? My mom's coming from Australia for three nice. and a half weeks. Yeah. Wow. So it's gonna be really good. And she hasn't been to our new place yet and everything. So yeah, it's gonna be really nice to have her come stay. And then We're taking her to Santorini for a week. So we'll all take off, go get some actual sunshine. It's been terrible here in Denmark. It's been like raining for a month. Oh, wow. And it's summer. But today's beautiful. It's kind of the Danish midsummer today. They call it Sankt Hens. It's like the equivalent of the Swedish midsummer sort of thing. So it's going to be a nice day. And then what else are we doing? Going to England again for a wedding.
1: Yeah.
0: So it should be really nice. In Ludlow, which is like northwest. So we're renting a car in London and driving three and a half hours. Should be nice. It's just me and my wife. Kids will be at some family here. So we'll go on a road
1: trip together. Nice. Sounds fun. What about you? What do you got planned? Not a lot. I mean, I don't really have any specific plans. Kind of exploring the city, still getting used to it, I think. I would like to kind of travel around Europe a little bit, but probably wait towards the end of the summer for that.
0: August is usually a pretty good time to travel anyway, because some of the places are just super warm as well, right? During summer. So if you want to go to Greece or any of the warmer places, then August is almost better.
1: That does sound nice, yeah.
0: I guess you've got to start exploring Europe, right?
1: For sure, yeah. You made it across the Atlantic and
0: now... <laughs> that is the plan, yeah. But you've got tons to still see in England as well, right? Or in the oh, UK. it's
1: crazy. And I've been running around daily pretty much as so I finish work around, you know, one or two and just go check out the city, which has been awesome.
0: Yeah. London's a cool place too. I like
1: it. Oh, there's so much to do. Like, it's been great. We got a cooking class tomorrow I'm super excited about and just generally, you know, kind of doing lots of different activities, checking everything out.
0: Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good thing to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. As always, let's
0: leave it there. Talk to you after summer. All right. Sounds good. See ya. See ya.